Welcome to Shi'ar Jeshub, a Bible study program coming to you from the Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the teaching ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and I hope you will join us today as my husband continues the riveting study series on heavenly authority from the book of 1 Samuel. We have been reflecting on the circumstances surrounding the birth of the great prophet Samuel, who is so much a type of the Lord Jesus. And last time, Pastor left off with Hannah's presentation of the young child at the tabernacle in Shiloh, where Samuel would remain in service before the Lord as a Levite. Now, let's rejoin Pastor Greg with Hannah's prayer in chapter 2. Many times we pray for things, but we forget to pray when we receive that which we ask of God. To pray just as fervently with thanksgiving as we prayed with petition. She prays with thanksgiving here. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn or my strength is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. And right away, when we read this, a parallel should come to mind. My heart rejoices in the Lord. And our minds should go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. That's a quote from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 48, and that's the song of Mary about the conception of Jesus. Here Hannah says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. Remember how Peninnah would mock and tease her and torture her because I rejoice in your salvation. How God brings about salvation. How he is the Savior. Verse 2, no one is holy like the Lord. You're going to notice something in this prayer. It's a prayer that states a great number of facts about the nature of God and his kingdom. And we see here in this prayer that Hannah, this simple woman, this wife from the hills of Ephraim, from the mountains of Ephraim, is a great theologian. Some of the greatest themes of the Bible are included in this prayer. Some of the most powerful doctrines of the Bible are included in this prayer. Many of the things that David will teach through the Spirit in the Psalms, before David ever sang them, were included in this prayer. And you have this contrast between the simple, the humble, anointed by the Spirit of God and given revelation, and the institutional or organizational religion established by God for the people, 
but nonetheless having grown cold in Eli and his sons. And though they have all the knowledge and the learning about the ways of God, they don't see clearly the way simple Hannah sees. They don't have the prophecies that Hannah has. They don't have the clear vision of God that the simple woman who trusted God, persisted in faith before God, prayed to God, has. Listen to the words she says here. No one is holy like the Lord. Right? There is no one else holy. For there is none beside you. There is no other. There's no one else to turn to but God. Nor is there any rock like our God. The only rock, the only foundation is our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. Don't be bold. Don't be arrogant. Don't be prideful. For the Lord is the God of knowledge. And by him actions are weighed. He weighs everything. He judges everything. Knowledge comes from him. So don't be boastful. Don't be proud. Don't be arrogant. But to be humble. He who humbles himself, Jesus said, will be exalted. Not only do you see the Old Testament teachings in this prayer, but listen closely. You'll see many of the New Testament revelations, gospel revelations in this prayer. The last will be first. The first will be last. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Verse 3, she says, Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken. And those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who are mighty, their bows are broken before the Lord. And those who stumble, those who fall, they're picked up and they're girded with strength. In Luke chapter 1, verse 51, Mary says, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. And again, you see the parallel between Mary's song and Hannah's prayer. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumble are girded with strength. He lifts us up when we stumble, when we fall, when we're contrite, when we're broken. But when we're proudful, the bows of the mighty men are broken. Verse 5, those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has born seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. Those who were full, they were full, they were satisfied. Woe to you when you're well fed, Jesus said, for you'll hunger. When we're so full of ourselves and we're so happy with the things we've accomplished and we feel so secure, like the man who says, look, I have all this food, I'm well supplied, and the Lord says this very night that he would demand his life. Those who are full 
will hire themselves out for bread. They'll become indentured servants. And the hungry will cease to hunger. God has mercy upon us when we're broken, when we're hungry. We hunger in our spirits and we hunger in our bodies and we seek God's deliverance. And that gospel message, how the barren has born seven. The barren woman, she was a barren woman and she's brought forth this holy son. Seven is a holy number. She who has many children has become feeble. And you think of Penina. She's experienced this, but this is the gospel message of when we recognize how barren we are, and really everyone is barren, then God can do the mighty work, the blessed work of bearing fruit in us. We've recognized the problem of our emptiness. When people are taken with what they have, what they do, their own abilities, their own beauty or intelligence or power or wealth, how can they come to the point of understanding they need God? You think of some of our wealthy people in this society, the movie actors and stars and those who have accomplished great things in the markets, and they feel so secure in themselves and what they've built. They have people screaming after them. They have all types of attention, but they too are barren. And unless we recognize our emptiness, we cannot be filled by God. God fills us when we humble ourselves. But when we stand tall, every mountain shall be brought low, says the Lord. Verse 6, the Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. Now we've gone beyond the principle of how God humbles the proud, how he lifts up the needy and those who recognize the need for salvation. And we've gone even into eschatology, even into resurrection. She says the Lord kills, he takes life, and he makes alive. He brings down to the grave, and then what? He brings up. She believes in the resurrection. She knows the same God that has established death as a principle in this world. Cursed is the ground because of you, Adam. The day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. That we have this principle of death in this realm because of sin to humble us so that no matter how much money or how much power, how much beauty, how much fame, how much knowledge... Every person, if they're honest, knows there's an end. If it was not for death, we would not know how weak we really are. God subjects the creation to frustration. We have this principle of death because of sin to show us how bad sin is, how empty, how naked we really are. And then he brings up from the grave. He gives us the hope of resurrection in Jesus Christ. The same God who allows, who pulls his hand back and allows these bodies to decay, though he didn't mean it to be so, now can speak to the dust and the earth. And because of what Jesus did, he brings down to the grave and he brings up. And there shall be a resurrection of the dead. Verse 7. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. 
He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. See here the joy coming from ashes, the fruit from barrenness, life from death, strength from weakness, all symbolized in Hannah's condition being barren. Then with Samuel, God's mercy and fulfillment, heard by God, she has a child and there's hope. And that hope in God hearing her prayer is the same hope of the New Testament gospel that God will bring joy from ashes, fruit from barrenness, life from death, strength from weakness. The Fellowship of Sheer Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut, is dedicated to sending forth the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ and witnessing His salvation message to a generation at risk. And it would be encouraging to hear from our listeners. We value your comments, and it is always a blessing to hear from our radio family to know if our program has helped you in your walk with the Lord. All correspondence should be mailed to Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Also, let me invite you to our Sunday service. Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets at 10 a.m. at the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take exit 61 off I-95. Go south to Route 1, turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.